Welcome, everybody. This is Natalie. This is Sam. This is Elizabeth. And we're your hosts of Wisterhood, a podcast by Women in Science Portland. We created Wisterhood to be our community of support for women in science and their allies. And today, we have a special guest, the one and only America Rodriguez. fourth-year student at Portland State University in the Civil Engineering Program. She was introduced to engineering through her high school electives and had a supportive teacher that encouraged her to pursue it further. In 2016, she attended the Hermanas Conference. The mission is to expose young Latinas to STEM. Meeting women engineers that looked like her captured her vision to be a successful woman of color and a role model to younger girls. That was the day America decided to be an engineer and understood the importance of representation. After America understood the importance of representation, she built a network for Latinas in STEM for them to share their story with others. America started the Chingonas in STEM community page to spread the importance of owning your story and the power of representation. Her mission is to empower women by sharing their stories, challenges, challenges, and journey to create an impact and be a role model for younger Latinas. Yay! All right. Hi, everyone. Thank you for the awesome introductions, Natalie, Elizabeth, and Sam. Yeah, so to start, we would love it if you could just tell us about your field of study. Um, what do you like about it? What do you do on a daily basis? What do you not like about it? We'd love to just hear anything you could tell us. Yeah, so so far, most of my experience has been the educational journey through college. I did start from a community college here at Portland Community College, which I believe has been the best decision because it saved me so much money and allowed me to graduate debt-free. I did have an awesome um, experience here at my community college as it helped me grow and bloom and be more talkative and get myself out of the comfort zone and be more involved within my community. Um, within my community college, I did my basic classes like math, science, physics, writing. And once I transferred to my university at Portland State University, it helped me take those advanced classes. Um, and for the civil engineering journey, it's there's so many classes you have to take because it divides into different branches like water resources, geotech, structural, transportation, and sometimes up to construction. So you, you get to touch all those different fields. And the hard part is deciding which one you have you want to do and focus on without having the experience. So I think that would be the worst part of civil engineering. <laughs> but also it, it can be a good thing because if you're bored in one, you can just change to another field and get experience in different fields and have to explore. Yeah, and you mentioned like right now you're working for like a small engineering company. Can you like talk a little bit more about sort of what that entails and like on a daily basis, what that might mean and like sort of the long-term goals for um, like the work that you do? Yeah, so for the structural, right now I'm focusing on structural industry, which in my smaller company, um, when you start in a smaller company, you're allowed to work and get exposed to different things like crafting, designing, engineering, 
and you get to do more things while if you're working in a bigger company it's like more of a routine doing the same thing over and over again so that's why i decided to go through a smaller company first and get exposed quicker to all the vocabulary and experiences right now that allows me what i'm doing as a structure engineer is just getting seeing house plans from architects and i get to design the sizes of beams columns girders joists pull downs just to make sure the house is not going to fall but if you're also a structural engineer you you're allowed to go work on skyscrapers bigger buildings which are projects that take like one to two years but if you're like in smaller houses like residential i can design a house in one whole day that is like some major skills right there i feel like if like society collapsed i i mean i'd be so expendable right but i feel like that's so cool that it's like such a um like applicable sort of skill yeah and also like what you were saying about like choosing a small company um was like such big brain energy um just in terms of like being able to actually like do work instead of like get people coffee or whatever um is that like sort of something you knew right away or was that like sort of a decision that you had to come to for that that advice i got it from somebody else so i've been hearing people that go straight to like corporate jobs or uh bigger companies like intel google facebook and they just work there for long term and they what i hear is like they just focus on one thing and they escalate slowly up so i I heard that from somebody else, so I'll see if I go job hopping <laughs> and see what I like. Yeah, I feel like that's good advice, and I don't know, I felt like, especially with structural engineering, I don't know, like, is there a big company equivalent to, because, like, I mean, Intel is, like, semiconductor processing, and I, I don't know if that's, like, if you would be able to use structural engineering in that. I, listeners and America, I have no idea anything about engineering. Um, I've heard that there's many companies that will hire structural engineers, like Facebook, Google, Disneyland, for their rides. Like, have to make sure and design their rides that won't fall. But there's so much that goes behind those. That'll be awesome to work for Disney. <laughs> um, I know airlines. You can work for airlines. I I have friends that are working there getting free flights as a structural engineer, which I think it's also awesome. I didn't realize a structural engineer could work for all those different companies. I mean, it makes sense like that they would need certain engineers for things that aren't their main focus of like social media and things like that. But it's just, you know, you don't think about it on a daily basis. But also I feel like being an engineer for Disney is like, I don't know, me being an engineer, I would love to be an Imagineer. Like, it's incredible. Like, it would be so much fun. Oh my gosh. Did we just hear the word Imagineer? Have you ever heard that? That's what they call them. Yeah. 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 Except for the fact you don't have to have an engineering degree if you work for them. Like, if you do animation, same thing. Wait, that's like such a like cute facade to such a terrible global corporation. <laughs> wow, damn. I did not know that. You learn something new every day because God knows. Broadening your engineering horizon. 
Yeah. <laughs> and that's so interesting because I feel like you think in order to work at Facebook, you have to be a software engineer or whatever, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Sorry, back to <laughs> America and not my woeful lack of knowledge about engineering. I am wondering where is like the line between structural engineering and architecture? Like, um, just talk, like, you know, you were talking about like beam placement and stuff like that. So like how much overlap do you get with like sort of the artsy side of the science that you do? I don't think uh, structurals get to do much of the artsy side. They are the middleman between architectures and contractors. Like we have to stay communicated um, within the architects and the construction workers. Uh, the architects, they do the art design and see what um, things to place, how big the building is, where to put the windows, how many stories, the shape of the building. And for the structural engineering, their job is to get this idea and make it so it stands up. We designed the building so the beams are going, they're such size, so it won't like break. What type of materials we use, like wood, steel, concrete, what size of concrete beams or wood there has to be, because it's also you have to consider into compression and tension, like if it's bending, because concrete will break easily with tension or it's going to crack. So you need to know those all those details i'm honestly just shocked that like physics one actually (laughs) like is applicable to the real world in any way but i we love to see it Uh, (laughs) i feel like natalie's brain has like blown it's just (laughs) yeah first first it was imagineers now it's like all this structural (laughs) engineering stuff just really expanding my horizons on all fronts today now that we like sort of know a little bit more about what you do um will you tell us a little bit about how you got here like I know you mentioned um in the bio that you like had some people along the way who really inspired you so could you like sort of talked about what first let's start with like what first you got you interested in science what got me into science I believe were my my teachers my high school middle school teachers. When I came to the U.S., I was like 12, so I started here in middle school. I didn't know any English, so I didn't know what was happening in history class or English class, because I didn't know what was happening. And math, that was, that's the universal language anyone understands, so at least I got to learn how to think and do process. Um, so math wasn't a problem for me. I understood what was happening. Science, I thought it, it was my favorite class because we'll have the labs and my teachers were really nice to me. We'll have events outside of class. They, I know high school has career days where you get to sign up for visit an engineer or a scientist and I would sign up for those and talk to them and see what they do for their daily lives. In high school, I had an awesome professor in my engineering electives who always encouraged me, encourages me to engineers, told me to go talk to them. And whenever he'll talk, introduce me like, oh, she's going to be an engineer. <laughs> so, okay. Um, yeah, and whenever I went, they're like, yeah, go America. We need more engineers. We need more women engineers. We need more like you. 
So they really encouraged me to go into engineering and like the sciences. Um, did you ever doubt your choice to pursue science or the particular field of STEM that you're in? <laughs> uh, yeah, because <laughs> at times it gets hard. I know it's really hard. The drops, dropouts for engineering is they're high, especially if you're women and especially the first years because the thing that you don't know is like the workload is really high. Classes are difficult. You need to be resilient, persistent, and being okay with having a failing grade because there are students that are come out straight A's from high school. They go into engineering and the first exam to take, they get a, what, 40%? And the class average is a 50%. So th those are things that a lot of students don't know. Like it's okay to be within the average. Um, and also just um, some professors can change how other students feel. I was talking to a friend last week that I just met. She came back into engineering. She dropped out for a few years because her professor would say comments regarding females in engineering saying, oh, girls, they don't, they don't belong in engineering. They don't understand a lot of things. You have to explain those things. I'm like, I was surprised to hear that. Some girls, um, they just, I don't know, just wouldn't talk back or take those personal, they would take those personally. And that's the image a lot of people have. I also have students like just jokingly say, I wish I would have been in business school. Because you see the business, business kids going to school and then partying on the weekends and we're here doing homework like Halloween we were invited to parties and then we were at 3 a.m finishing homework on zoom together <laughs> it's like oh we need to finish this we need to go to our party and then we stayed up all night doing homework we couldn't finish it so those are the things you need to go through and at the end um you're gonna have time and I think it's okay if you realize you don't want to be an engineer it's okay to change careers so you chose the E in STEM, right? Have you ever considered choosing any of the other letters? Like science and maybe tech. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, tech is like what's growing right now. And there's so many awesome things you can do. But then again, the way for people that do tech, they think like they have to imagine, th imagine things that you can't see. And that's the reason why I did civil engineering. I can see the beams, I can see the forces, I know what's happening. But in tech, you need to code and learn a language to talk to the computer, which I can't really see it in person. So I'm a visual learner. But I have friends that are in tech and they're awesome. <laughs> just you know how representation is important and you've created this community page to help build a network for Latinas in STEM. Could you kind of talk to us about that? What inspired you to do that? Uh, what it is and really just what allyship and this representation means to you? So for me, what made me do that website is when I first went to that Envanas conference, I saw the importance of telling your story because I've heard those women tell their own story. I re related to them, seeing that, 
oh, they started the first generation Latinas in engineering. They were mostly the only one in the class or only one in the job. So just knowing that there's more out there like me with similar stories, like, oh, it makes me feel like I belong there. There's no posture syndrome because, you know, there's more out there. Let me see. Yeah, and then I did get the chance to share my story again with them. And after I did that, I got other women or girls coming up to me as, as asking me to be their mentor for questions. And I thought, I don't think they would have gone to an old guy, <laughs> old white guy, maybe. I would have been more comfortable if I see a Latina that's an engineer, I would go ask questions, connect on them. Yeah, you like were talking about um, sort of like this idea of like sort of like making your story known to be like sort of an example for other people. And I'm wondering, um, do you feel like any pressure to like succeed um, for any particular reason? And if that was connected at all to um, your racial identity? I believe so. Like when I first started sharing my story, I was a freshman. And then I also got to share when I was a sophomore and junior. So as me keep sharing my story saying, oh, I'm an engineer, I'm studying engineering, I'll be the 2% of Latinas in engineering. It kept me trying to finish my degree. Like it was an expectation. I'm like, oh, I'm already an engineer. It made me feel like I'm already an engineer. I have to be an engineer. Um, but I don't think that for other people, if they don't see themselves as an engineer or they experience that they don't like the career, they shouldn't be staying there because of expectations. But for me, I don't think that's the case. I like what I'm doing. I hope to maybe change from structural to construction in the future. Because when I was entering, um, in summer, something that I saw is that there were so many Latinos in the construction field. However, they weren't included into all those meetings where the engineers, architects were talking. When I would go to the job sites in the construction field, I saw so many Hispanic men. However, in those meetings, I never ever saw a woman or any Latino, which it's like important because when you're in the construction and structural field, if the inspector doesn't pass something that the construction workers did or doesn't follow the same plans as the from the structural engineers, they have to redo the whole job. Even if they pour the concrete, it took a whole day, they had to break everything down, take all the bars out, which it's a lot of work just because of miscommunication. And most of the work that's being done is by those Latino men. So it's, it is important to have those people inside the committees talking, knowing what's happening. And me as a woman, I feel like if I step into that construction field, I would use my Spanish and English voice and just being as an image for recruiting or bringing more people up into those um, higher positions. It's interesting that like a lot of times the outward facing, um, like the people who, who you see actually working at the job sites, um, like when you're like walking on the sidewalk or whatever, are like most of the time um, like Latinx men um, or I guess Latinos. And so I think like, the, but at the other, at the other end of that is like, 
the people who are in charge of all of those power structures remain like old crusty white men maybe maybe they're not old anymore i don't know they're yeah, not old yeah. but they're white and crusty <laughs> yeah white and crusty men we do not stand <laughs> um so but i think it, it, it's it's also interesting that the way that like that gets sort of obscured because the outward facing like oh you think construction and it's like oh yeah like whatever um, sort of preconceptions we have but it does seem like there are a lot of uh, like obstacles for you because like of course like not only are you a woman in a like vastly male-dominated field I mean that's already like crazy times but also like being able to having to leverage your Spanish um, as like a bilingual person um, while treading straddling both of those sort of areas seems like a really tough challenge um but I am so confident and I'm so glad that there are people like you who are doing it because yeah that's it's so important so so you're talking about sort of like having seen examples of other people's like having shared their stories um is there anything in particular that you sort of remember um, that led you to sort of choose this form of advocacy or was it just sort of in general like you felt like um, it was important to be telling those stories? I saw um, as I shared stories or I meant women that had like really hard pasts for example some are like already in their 30s and they still continue and started their career journey which is an example for other women that will still want to do their career journey and they're 30, 40, 50, and they're an example that, oh, you can also do it. Or girls that are in their 20s, they have a kid, they, ha- they have work, and they still continued their career and finished or are still continuing their PhD. They're an example for other women in the same situation that you can also be a mom, work, and do school. Um, it's not impossible. It takes a long time, but it's doable. Or women that are working in the fields, like picking fruits, berries, and going to school and accepted to Stanford, Harvard. So knowing that you have those paths and going up to um, these Ivy League schools, it's possible or getting full ride scholarships just by sharing your story so a lot of these women are resilient women have it a little bit harder than men especially if you're an immigrant or daughter son of immigrants um because you know how your parents struggled and are always working uh it passes on to their daughters and they just make them more resilient so I feel like if, if they can do that, if their parents did that, then they have a strong mindset. I remember you're talking about like, um, like grades and classes and how like genuinely sometimes like a 50 is the average and you're like, well, cool. Um, were there like any other moments of like what you felt like was re- rejection or failure? Um, and like, you know, you're, you're talking a lot about resilience, but um, was there any specific time when you sort of had to dig deep? It was hard, but 
I just knowing that you're not the only one, it helps. Or I had teachers that said, oh, I failed calculus three, three times. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's normal. <laughs> and they're professors. I'm like, also hearing other students that said they have retaken some classes for two or three, four times to keep going. I'm like, okay, I'm on the right path. <laughs> then, but I, I, there have been times I get my exams back and they're not good scores. And then I go to the bathroom and I see other girls crying in the bathroom in the engineering building. What so a I think it's moment of bonding in the bathroom. <laughs> um, Just hugging each other. It's going to be okay. Yeah. But yeah, as long as you have a, your own group that keeps each other up, it's good. Like during the pandemic, I was, um, I met an awesome group of students and we all stayed up all night, knowing that we all stayed up until two, three, four, sometimes all nighters doing homework. It helps a lot because we're each helping each other out. Sometimes we, I can do something and they'll be there for, to help me or vice versa. Uh, maybe it, it's just on my mind because a few weeks ago we were talking about like climate change and more specifically like climate resilience and how like we have to live through a changing climate and I think like part of that was also this idea that like I mean obviously one like it can't be done by just like one person um but then also like it's like easier to think outside of the box when you feel like you have like the safety net to do so and I think that that can come from community I know you said like you like being able to visually see what it is you're working on from there was it pretty obvious to you like the leap to structural engineering or was there still sort of more more options that you ultimately had to like choose a direction um or was it just immediately like oh yeah that's what I want to do it wasn't an immediate thing I'm like oh yeah that's what I want to do I'm still undecided I would say I know my experience has been structural, but since civil engineering, you have transportation, geotech, all those things. Mostly for transportation, you have to work for the government. And I feel like if I work for the government, it's going to be a boring job in a cubicle. So, okay, I'll With knock that out. Pete judge. <laughs> <laughs> and for water resources, I would consider that because you're out in the field testing waters with pipes so I would consider that it's also visual I get to talk to people and see geotech I would also consider that it's fun you get to go out in the field get soil samples use drills <laughs> you, you're not in a cubicle all day so that's what I like having a mix and that's what civil engineering is like you get to be in an office some days sometimes you get to go out in the field get dirty use I mean, if you don't like getting dirty, then structural engineering would be good too, because you're in the office designing work or transportation. So just know your mix or what do you like? I feel like you've just laid out such a good advertisement for structural engineering. Now, like, I'm like, I'm like, wait, should I be a structural engineer? <laughs> Knowing full well, I should not be a structural engineer. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like you've done a really good, like, advertising job, that's for sure. Yeah, and it, and it's nothing compared to school. What we they get us teach like we, they teach us like all the theory, 
do everything by hand. And then when I first got to my first internship, we just put all the numbers in the computer and it did everything for me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't need to spend an hour the whole day doing this problem. Like, no, the computer does it for you. You just need to know like a rough idea of what's happening to know that the computer is not doing something weird. And also there's like so much approximate, what was it, saying? approximation? Is that what I'm saying? Approximating numbers. Like um, we round up a lot of numbers. Like we don't do like exactly the same number. If a length is 2.7, we say three feet. So I'm like, you don't have to be that perfect. I don't know if I should be saying that here. <laughs> <laughs> it's engineering it has to be perfect but then no that's how my experience has been <laughs> how your houses are built folks by rounding up just <laughs> round up don't yeah. round down <laughs> I feel like that's engineering and industry though it's like in school you're taught to be so precise and to yeah mm -hmm. learn how to do everything by hand do the theory but in actuality like budgets and timelines are a thing and you can't be that precise like you have to know when it's good enough and when you can move on and I think that's part of it too is like you're approximating you're estimating and things like that you're making assumptions and that's what happens all the time because you know real world engineering we don't there is no right answer you're just trying to figure it out as you go along so you're not you're not wrong I don't think you're saying anything too taboo or crazy for mechanical aerospace I think you have to be more precise and perfect but for structural adding more load assumption giving us well assuming that there's going to be more load on the building that's a good thing because then you you'll design yeah. beams that are bigger and not smaller than it. be to the straight weight that it should be so adding a measure of safety a safety factor is always nice you're like it's working better than we need it to just because we don't want yet your building to fall down I think people appreciate that what do you anticipate your career and life will look like and you talked about uh, potentially going into construction but also you talked about I mean just now with Natalie talking to you about all of these other options you have that are interesting to you um, but do you I guess have one in particular at this point in time or is there just something that you feel like you haven't mentioned yet that you feel like you'd like to pursue, you know, in the future? Definitely the entrepreneurship pathway. But once I mm -hmm. learn how to know how this, this industry works, because it would be awesome to make my own company and hire more, giving opportunities for more people like me. Yeah, no, that's great. I think there's a lot of, engineers or at least a lot of like newer engineers kind of have that entrepreneurial spirit to them like want to potentially do that and I feel like also yeah when you work for small companies or like going through COVID you get that work-life balance of working remote and things like that like it's all I mean it's all just very appealing and I think that's a, a really cool path to take and I hope I hope that you get the chance to you sound pretty motivated so I don't doubt it. <laughs> America uh, can you talk to us a little bit more of chingonas in STEM? I don't know if you want to tell us what chingonas means or just have us guess. I don't know. <laughs> do you guys want to take a guess? Natalie, what do you think chingonas means? Bruh, I have no idea. <laughs> Not me and my intermediate Spanish one ass out here like, uh. <laughs> um, 
Chingonas in STEM. I don't know. I don't have a good guess. First thing Can I give us a hint? I, yeah. Oh, yeah. A hint is nice. Sorry, Sam. Might be. Um, oh, no. You're good. See, what would be a good hint, Elizabeth? You're tough. You're strong. Is it like a badass, like, Latina woman or something? Yeah. You got it, Sam. That's what chingona means. Yeah. Wait. That's so cute. I love it. That's incredible. That's a perfect name. Yeah. Wait. Okay. So, what, can you, like, talk more about like the the page and stuff yeah so let me see i started it during the pandemic because i didn't have anything else to do <laughs> no i was involved in a lot of uh, extracurricular clubs and groups so once the pandemic hit all those meetings were canceled and a lot of the workload went down so okay i started this group i started called chinguanas and stem and then people tell me oh if you want to take it bigger then you should have a more formal name because chinguanas doesn't sound professional but then i i figured girls loved it women loved it it's a way for them to being described um badass tough at a girl <laughs> tough -o. So I did notice you have an Instagram, a Facebook, your own website, and a LinkedIn. <laughs> You're like everywhere. I learned how to make a website with that. I um, that's the first website I made. It's pretty simple. You wouldn't, I wouldn't say you have to be a computer scientist to make a website. I've gotten people reach out to me thinking that it's it's a whole team behind the website. I'm like, oh no, it's just me. Hey. <laughs> You have some pretty cool t-shirts, so if anybody wants to go buy a t-shirt, it's on there. <laughs> and not to put America on the spot, but she also has her own website for herself. <laughs> yep. Dude. Yeah, I also made that one. That one is mostly to share for scholarships for other students and resources in engineering. Because something that I like to share is that there's so many scholarships you can apply to. Like a lot of students think that, oh, scholarship essay to type a three to five page essay. No, sometimes you just have to type like a paragraph and it just takes what, an hour? And then you get like, what, $2,000? It's, it's like, imagine getting paid $2,000 for an hour. Would you rather do that or work several hours? <laughs> yeah, I have friends that apply to one scholarship and he, they're the only ones that apply. So they'll just give both scholarships to them because he's the only one that applied. So definitely apply to those. They're on my website. They're not like specific scholarships, but they're databases. Put if you're what year you're in, what you're studying, and all these scholarships will show up to you. And those are all sort of, particularly for students who are Latinx or for Latina students. I have for anyone, so I have, I think, two links, one for anyone in general, scholarships all over the place. Another one is for students that are undocumented or international students, because the thing is that a lot of scholarships, when you have to fill them in, you have to be a U.S. citizen or U.S. Um, resident, and there's not many scholarships offering for international students or undocumented. So I did put websites where you can find those scholarships for those students. 
that's actually so helpful so as to not feel overwhelmed by like the like just like so many out there without having a, a like a centralized place to be able to find them all so I feel like that'd be super helpful we will be sure to put the link in our doobly-doo thing and also I'm scrolling through y'all's merch and it's so cute there's like plenty of Latina and stem um or chingonan stem shirts like lots of it's just like really cool there's like a if you're not Latina or a chingona there's like a right hand rule physics shirt which I'm sure y'all nerds will appreciate um yeah so please go check that out that is some cool stuff um, <laughs> I I also like the t-shirts about uh behind every great engineer is an amazing mother or behind every great scientist is an amazing father so like props to them too yes snap snaps Before we close, we wanted to play a game with you called This Versus That, a game adapted from the Versus Poetry podcast. We're going to ask you to choose either the best or the worst of something. And the only object to this game is to try and answer as fast as you can. So would you like to pick the best or the worst? Best. Best, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is the best month? July. Oh, controversial. <laughs> Well, shots fired to begin with. Um, what's the best pop star or celebrity? I'll say Eugenio Herbes. He's funny. Yeah. Uh, what's your What's the best soup? Caldo de pollo. Oh, that is good too. <laughs> um, best ocean. I'm thinking because there's so many, so much trash and oil spills i don't know which one is the one that has the cleanest bro too true wait none of them <laughs> climate change is the real the real group to the story this turned for the worst we just wanted to be like do you like the pacific ocean you're like no i there's trash no there's trash there's oil the She's coral reefs are dying she is not wrong. <laughs> so maybe there is no best, only worst in this case scenario. Um, okay, let's see. Best way to eat eggs. Con chorizo. <laughs> so basically scrambled. Oh, okay, scrambled. Right? Or how do you eat it? Yeah, I like put the egg in the chorizo. And it's yeah, and then you go like that. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, best... Thanksgiving thing. My mom makes this ponche, like it's a drink with like fruit inside. My mom makes that for Christmas, not Thanksgiving. It's really good. Yeah. Well, she yeah. makes it for both. My mom. Oh, yeah. No, oh we don't get it for both. We only get it for Christmas. <laughs> is it warm or is it cold? Uh, you can drink it either way. It. I think it's better warm, but yeah, I drink it, it warm too. Wait, it sounds so good. Yeah, Wait, it has okay, like guava, sugar cane, apple. Yeah, orange. Good. My mom puts orange in it. Orange yeah. too. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> Bruh, sounds so good. Maybe America will save you some. <laughs> well, please. <laughs> sounds so good. 
I think that's a good place to end in the happy zone. (laughs) (laughs) Was there like sort of anything that you wanted to, that we didn't ask about that you'd like to talk about? If you're in Oregon and you're undocumented, it is possible to for you to graduate debt-free because there's, you can't apply for FAFSA, but Oregon does this uh, alternative FAFSA called ORSA, O-R-S-A-A, which gives you um, some money to go to school for four years. If you graduated from a high school in Oregon also, you can attend two years free at any community college. So imagine just having two years free at a community college plus four years of getting money for school. And if you apply to additional scholarships, I think you can make it. <laughs> you can get, graduate there free and it's possible without taking any loans or paying with your own money. It's just a matter of just going out there, asking, going to those people that are really involved, getting connected, knowing what's out there and don't get involved. Don't just go to school, go back home and stay in your own circle. Especially with like the, um, like the sort of thing that you would have to like be really familiar with the institution to like know about like the ORSA um, from what you're saying. Like, I, I think that you would have to be like sort of familiar with those structures. And so it's so cool that you're able to like sort of pass that down. Um, that's like such important work. So yeah. yeah. Some people yeah. think, oh, it's too good to be true, but no, it it's there. Um, sweet. Well, thank you so much for being on the pod. I, I'm so glad you were able to come um, and you're doing such important work. So, yeah. Yes, thank you. Thank you, you. Yeah. Thank you Elizabeth. Um, so I think that, you know, more or less wraps up um, our conversation today. Thank you so much for listening to Wisterhead and make sure to subscribe so you'll know when we drop more episodes and comment so more folks can find us or just tell people about us. That's the best way to spread the word and tell us your stories or ask questions you'd like answered on the pod. You can email us at podcast at womeninsciencepdx.org. We would love to hear from you. And of course, special thanks to Homo Kosariani who designed our cover art. See y'all later. Welcome everybody. This is Natalie. This is Elizabeth. And we're your hosts of Wisterhood, a podcast by Women in Science Portland. We created Wisterhood to be our community of support for women in science and their allies. And today we have a special guest, the one and only Tiffany Wendell Hansen. Tiffany, who uses the pronouns she, her, currently holds a number of roles. She works as an NGSS consultant and professional development specialist for the Portland Metro STEM partnership, STEM Beyond Schools, and a number of other statewide STEM hubs. She's the editor of the Oregon Science Teaching Association publication, TOST, 